so they work like suboptimally. Right. So imagine you have like a really good diet overall. You know, you have your your other fat intake, I suppose, and nutrients and vitamins, whatever. But if you can't take up the nutrients into your cell, they they can't really work as they should work. So it's kind of a waste of time. Right? It's a waste of space. Like this is kind of the precursor to anything else. So, you know, awesome. Fix your diet. Awesome. Fix your uh, work with your movement and all of these things. But maybe step one is to make sure that your cells actually work, that they actually have a good ratio. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Cultivating Change. I'm your host, Alex Corey, and this is a really fascinating guest today. This is the primal Swede, Eric Olson from Sweden, full-on Scandinavian adventure seeker. Eric and I share a passion of just feeling more alive and more online, feeling ourselves switch on in the natural elements and just that lust and thirst for nature, adventure, and just testing ourselves. And I think that's the the core of the Primal Lifestyle. He's a fellow Primal Health Coach and that's how he met. doesn't matter what dogma, what structure we hold around the different nutrition standards and all of the things that we get caught in whenever we're thinking about health. I think Eric represents the, the real reason most people start paying attention to their health, which is we want to feel more alive in our everyday. And we go into a whole bunch of ways that Eric uh, fuels his ultra endurance athletic performances and a very specific test that he has that I haven't come across before, which is an omega test and a product that actually uh, helps quickly change omega ratios. We'll go into why those are important for inflammation, for nutrient absorption, and generally just as a baseline for uh, making all of the other health changes that a lot of people put into place work better. This is a fascinating episode. Stay tuned to the end for a lot of really interesting uh, metrics that this company has collected from around the world. Enjoy this podcast with the Primal Swede, Eric Olson. Your moniker is the Primal Swede, right? Yeah. Do you want to tell me how you how you became the Primal Swede or how you found that sort of lifestyle sure. and, and all of the uh, the athletic endeavors that you do. You just got back from the US, right? A couple, maybe yeah. a month ago? Yeah, the primal Swede, you know, the primal Swede. Actually, my my I like my my name is Eric, right? Like it's a super Swedish name. And my my last name is Ulson. That's like a super, super Swedish Scandinavian last name. It's like you you can't find a, a name that is more Swedish. Uh and honestly, I was thinking it's it's a bit boring. Um Maybe it strikes you like a chord or something in in the US because it's kind of Scandinavian. But like for me, it's like, ah. Uh, and my my business name for my company is Two Strong Arms. So there is a story behind the company name, sure. Uh, But still, it was kind of, mm, it it didn't really tell me anything. You know, it didn't tell me anything about what I'm about, what I do. uh, Right. So I was like kind of looking for something different. And I'm not sure what, when, or how I came up with the primal Swede, but I thought, you know, maybe there is there is no one else. It should be someone should already be using it because it's pretty good. And when I did some research, like no one is using the primal Swede, so sure, I'm the primal Swede. I can be the primal Swede. I'm primal and I'm Swedish, so I'm the primal Swede. That's a great name. I love it. Yeah, it sticks out. Like I remember it a year or two. I love that glass you're drinking out of. It's very fancy, very yeah. eloquent. Uh, 
Well, how do you find the primal aspect? So were you always athletic as a kid or how did you come into your, your physical challenge era? Uh, no, no way. You know, I, I have friends and, 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 you know, family and I've heard of many people, they, they have like this athletic background when they grew up and they played soccer or, you know, ice hockey or something in Sweden. And then they grew up and they do, you know, similar things, right? Not me, you know, I was reading comic books and watching television. I think I, I did an estimate at some point when I was like 15 or something. I think I watched television like six hours a day or something, you know, and I was drinking lots of uh, Coke and Pepsi and sodas and <laughs> lots of it, you know, I, I did do some with my dad, some kind of, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if that could be considered like extreme in an, to an extent, but when I was 15, me and my dad went to Spain and we did this like pilgrimage uh, route in North Spain, the Santiago. It's, it's quite famous in Europe and it's about 800k, which would be like I don't know, 500 miles. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Like uh, 800 kilometers, right? Um pretty far so it takes a month to walk this thing right and you walk every single day like 30k 20 miles or something so I, I did kind of have this background with adventurism or adventuring right like heading out and doing something for a few weeks and then get back and then get back into studies or whatever um, yeah but then in um, like it was like back in 2010 when I kind of had this urge to bike from Gothenburg, Sweden, like south in, in Sweden, but north in Europe, right? And I wanted to bike down to Gibraltar. That's like the southern tip of Spain. Yeah, that's the UK. You know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I wanted to do that and kind of, you know, kind of just try it. No, like, time pressure or anything. I had a few months and... I had this like long distance bike and and two bags in the front, panniers and stuff, and two in, in the back and a big tent. So I was riding for for three months, doing five thousand kilometers, stopping all over the place, you know. Uh, but yeah, so so the thing is, when I got back, and that's I, I suppose that's when it started because then when I got back, I got back into you know studies. I think I had some job back then, you know, like a temporary job. And yeah. and I, f I remember how I clearly felt that, that when I was inside, something didn't fit, something didn't feel right. You know, Alex, it's like, I need to be outside somewhere, but like, I'm, what is going on? And then I was, ah, it's the fact that I was biking for three months all over Europe. And now I need to be outdoors. Right. <laughs> so that sort of realization I suppose it changed everything because then I had to take like a new direction. Do you feel like there's something that <clears throat> just like switches on or feels right whenever you're outside? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I can connect that with the story. This actually for like now when we're <laughs> recording this on Friday, I, I wanted to try a thing. So I was running around in the, in the, around the local lake, like mm -hmm. 7K. And after four or three kilometers, I sprained my ankle. Right? I was like hitting a, this stone and I twitched my foot and it said, I had this, I, I could almost hear it said like, like a cracking sound or something. <laughs> and I was like, shit, that hurt. But like sometimes when you kind of, sprain your ankle you can still walk and it yeah. still feels okay and it's not so bad it's, it's sometimes right so I, I could still walk for five, four kilometers 
back to the car, get back to my mother's place. And then I couldn't sleep throughout the night. And this was Friday night, right? So I was I, I was awake all night because of the pain. And I was spent Saturday and part of today, like not moving, you know, like not moving anything. And now I felt this like frustration, like this urge. I need, I need to, I want to go to the mountains. I want to go to the forest. I want to be outside. I want to feel the rain, the wind. So to answer your question, yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's like, it's like this, this, I don't know, like this primal instinct, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, it's it's in there. I have the same. I was raised pretty much outside all the time and whenever I'm even now I keep realizing that I have like three different businesses and I built them mostly to be online so that I could be anywhere, yeah. but yeah. I also strap myself down to when you have an online business, you have to be in front of a computer. So every time I have like a full day of digital work, I am just yeah. like itching to yeah. just be outside. My mother was just in town and we did a number of different waterfalls close by and i feel so much more me just alive in general yeah. whenever i'm outside it almost feels like part of me screaming if i spend yeah. a full day inside yeah yeah so i hear you on that <clears throat> um okay so yeah. your lust for adventure did did you just love the way you felt in your body when you were doing how did that turn into more of a um like a challenging athletic scenario like what what made you well i guess what was your first um athletic endeavor what was your first like challenge so to speak you know i i, I really like your questions alex really good questions actually it makes me think right yeah <laughs> you know you know i did i did these ironmans and stuff but but you know after biking that back then in 2010 and i got back and i felt uh, like this claustrophobic feeling and I realized I need to be outside and outdoors. I was thinking, okay, but I can't really be outdoors and do these things three months uh, on end, right? These three month stretches uh, because then, back then I was looking for a job and I was studying and stuff. So I was, can, what, what can I do? Can, can I do something different, right? And I was thinking, okay, so I can, I can run. I can maybe ski. I can do half marathons and stuff. But back then, and this was like late fall, winter time, and we had lots of snow, so I couldn't really run. And back then, I didn't really enjoy running either. You know, I, I, running's not for me, right? So I started, okay, let's ski. I'm going to ski. So last time, I actually skied before then. I must have been like, I don't know, eight or something, you know, like a tiny oh, small yeah. kid, right? So, okay, I'm going to buy skis. So I started to ski. Uh, uh, on these kind of golf courses around the area where I lived. And I remember like the first few hundred meters, I was just falling all the time. I, 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 I think I even counted how many times I fell, like a hundred times or something, like falling, like no balance whatsoever. Uh, and then I signed up for my first race, like ski, like a half marathon skiing, like 21K. Uh, like a local race somewhere no one ever heard of. Like it's called Mulche. It's in like in a small region in Sweden, like in the south. Mm -hmm. It's not very famous in Sweden either. It's like not known for anything. And I remember how I participated in this race, 21K. And I remember how I, like 100 meters to the finish line, I took the wrong turn. And I was just standing there like, like this road is not leading anywhere. And I saw the other people like going into the finish line. And then I crossed the finish line. I realized I'm, I'm probably one of the last ones 
to cross the, cross the finish line. You know, I wasn't like top 10, top 100, top 400. I think I was if one of the last, last ones, you know. Yeah, it's, it's that was my first race. And, and, and I remember, and then the ski season ended. So I was thinking, okay, shit. So what should I do now? I can't ski. There's no. no oh, I need to run. I need to run. I need. To, okay, I'm gonna run. But I hate running, Eric. I I don't really like running. But you know, I can try it. And then I started to run. And then I bought a pair of not running shoes. I went to the local supermarket and bought like the cheapest shoes I could yeah. possibly find, maybe like ten bucks or something. Like you know, just <laughs> flat shoes. Mm-hmm. And I started to run. And I remember how. The I ran like a kilometer, and I think I I remember I hated it. <laughs> I was like, running, oh yeah, like sweating. I was running too fast, no pace, no nothing. And I like I can't. Why am I doing this? But okay, so what's the alternative, Eric? You know, I can go back home and I can lie on the couch and I can watch television. And that was even worse. Right. So I just kept on running. <laughs> And running it, and you know, you you get the idea oh, yeah. for the listener, like longer, longer distances. Like, did that ever go away? Did you did the enjoyment start, or was it more just like this is better than the other thing? Did you start ever getting into running? Does it feel good? Yeah, because I think I did like in those shoes for ten bucks. I did about five hundred kilometers. That's <laughs> <laughs> Were they were they like original zero drop shoes, just an extremely flat sole, nothing there? I, I, I bet they were like zero drop shoes, but yeah, they weren't just like intended a for running, almost just a little padding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a, yeah. it's just something to cover your feet, right? Uh, yes, I did longer, longer distances: one k, two k, five k, ten k. And and at the beginning as well, we have a half marathon, Gothenburg half marathon. It's actually the biggest half marathon in the world, in my city. And I remember how I could see, I could watch the half marathon in the city, people running, right? Back in the days. And I remember how I didn't understand anything of it. You know, why are people actually running? Why are they doing this? Why are they pushing themselves? 21K. I just didn't understand it, you know? Um, I can't remember if I did the half marathon that year or maybe next year but indeed it, it did it did change but i think the thing i did was to slower my pace yeah my speed and when i started to see that i could actually run for longer distances and longer longer distances and specifically trail i got more enjoyment out of it mm. And somewhere around there, like the first year, I I think I started to maybe not love it, maybe, maybe not. I don't sure. But but I started to really love to push myself. Yeah. Right? To see what is possible. If I can do like 10k, maybe I can do 15. Right. Hmm. And so on. So the trail running was more enjoyable than road running for you. That what you just said and then it was the consistent improvement that you saw within yourself that actually made it more and more enjoyable so the like the the human potential side of it almost yeah 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 you know and as well like if i compare with where i'm where i come from you know no athletic experience no sports 
like my brother was in like the local soccer team and I had a really good friend. He was like swimming, playing handball. He did, did lots of golf afterwards. Mm. I did nothing. <laughs> like nothing, nothing, you know? Right. Yeah. And then, and then the trail, which is vastly different than pavement. Oh, right? yeah. so, so I think, you know, I did pavement lots of it in the beginning, but tray, with, with the trail, you get more of the adventure in it. Yeah. Uh, like these turns and it goes up and down and the mud and the water and the forest. Yeah, so... Yeah, there's something primal about it. I agree. I cannot for the life of me. I did high school cross country, which is just trail running basically. And we yeah. practiced on roads and I hated it. Blew my knees apart uh, because I didn't know how to run because... Yeah everyone just assumes that everyone knows how to run in improper shoes. So I blew my knees apart and I absolutely hated the pavement aspect. I did it simply for the social connection and because you had to for practice, yeah. but the trail running part was the like, even though it still sucked because it's not physically enjoyable. If yeah. you're pushing yourself, it was, it's night and day running in the woods and now i'll just go in like my little barefoot sandals and run in the yeah, woods yeah. in western north carolina just for the enjoyment there's something about running through the woods that just feels totally different than being on a treadmill or on pavement or something where i don't know it just doesn't feel like i'm it feels like i'm running for the sake of exercise and not for the sake of running it it it's the adventure aspect, like you mentioned, just feels so much different. Yeah, it's like I did uh, the post the other day, and I, I wrote about running, I suppose, maybe running, maybe it could have been cycling as well. But I was just mentioning all of the benefits of being outside, you know, that oh, you yeah. get the air, the wind, the rain, you you have the, the forest, everything, right? Uh, the, the the fitness part of it, that's just, that that is the extra bonus. Right. Because that's not that's not why you do it. That's not why I do it. I and mean, I, I, you know, I, I do. I done the the half marathon in Gothenburg. I done it about ten times since. Like I do it every year, uh, just for the fun of it. Uh, but uh, every time I get asked, so what's your personal record? <laughs> so actually, I I don't know. <laughs> but I think I done it like in one forty. Uh, but I'm not sure. I have my watch, but I never really time it either. Like I this this like competitive aspect i do i do enjoy that as well i have that kind of inclination sometimes but but it's it's not it's i need to dig in in order to find that and put it out there somehow it's it's not something that comes naturally to me right so rather i i run because it's it's fun that is on payment however but you know it's like a, yeah. a tradition and stuff. so i think yeah. it's a bit different yeah 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 where did the where do you find the the primal part? What what part of what I would think of as primal did you find yourself naturally doing or or called to you? Where did that that piece of your name pop in? I think it's like yeah, when I became a certified primal health coach, I did so because of the the diet and the yeah. nutritional aspects and those things right did you find um, that before did you find that you yeah. were doing those things before the health coaching or did they coincide 
I, I was kind of into the the movement and the sports mm. and those things, right? But then I was kind of looking for nutrition, the nutritional aspect. And I was like, okay, if I can eat like this, can I reduce injury risks and so on? So I can. That's kind of how they 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 got connected, right? But then at the beginning of my my when I built my built my business as well as a primal health coach and as a coach i was talking a lot about diet and nutrition and these things and also you know biohacking and mm-hmm. you know uh, sunlight and movement obviously right but but nowadays it's more somehow it it it, it changed quite a lot right because now when I, I talk about primal i am more into this this movement more into reconnecting with nature mm. more about kind of awakening your inner beast your inner spark spark your ignition right uh, your inner fire so that's more what i talk about nowadays when i talk about primal although all those other things are also related obviously right? so when i you know i do these these like when i did this run on on friday and i sprained my ankle which was kind of a stupid thing to do, actually, because I, I had this torch, right? So I was thinking, okay, can I run with the torch, Alex? And can I have this torch as my light source? Mm. Like, we don't know a head torch or anything. And it was kind of, it was dark. It's like Scandinavia, yeah. North Europe. <laughs> it's it's uh, November. It's dark. It's pitch black. And I can't see anything. But usually my eyes get uh, adjusted to the dark, right? And I can see you know, fine anyway, even though I don't have a torch or I don't have a headlight or anything. But with the torch, it was kind of, my eyes didn't get adjusted. So I couldn't actually see where I was putting my feet. So that's why I sprained my 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 feet. But, you know, so I, what I actually want to do with the primal aspect is kind of reconnect with nature. Mm. You, know, where you, you know, when you go out running, just, you know, take off your shirt and just have your shorts and your shoes whatever shoes you have and just feel the wind feel the rain on your body like on your skin right and i think that's you know and then take a cold plunge afterwards in the lake obviously you know so that's kind of how you wake your inner beast your primal beast that's part yeah and there's something most people who will work out will know this feeling but if you just step outside into the rain and you just came from like sitting on the couch or watching a movie. Rain sucks, especially cold rain. Like it's just wet. But if you just got done with a heavy workout or a trail run and you were submersed in it and then it starts raining, it's a totally different. I mean, people watch movies and see this sort of thing where it feels like it should be there. Like yeah. your skin is bristling. Like you can feel your heart going. It just adds to the the elements around you. Feel add to the feeling of being, or yeah. being, just yeah. being alive. Whereas if you just walk outside and it's raining, you're like, "This sucks. It's raining." But if you're out running in it and you're going, and everything within you is just going, "This feels right," then rain's just rain. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. So different. Uh, so I do these. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I do. I do that like a 7k run and then into the the lake the cold plunge and then i don't know it's like it's it's cleanses your mind uh, it's yeah you, you as, as you said i like it feels right it, it feels like your nature it feels like this is right you know and and 
often and i do this winter time as well like it doesn't really matter it can be sometimes i go to this lake and it's covered with ice yeah. right and usually someone has been doing cold plunges so it's like the ice is cracked next to the bridge so you can actually go in it and you know i remember this one time i went there and i was surprised oh there's it's just a cover of ice <laughs> i went in anyway and then i ran home so that's another 7k and it took like three to four kilometers to get moving again you know get the heat mm. in a bit uh, because i was only wearing shorts yeah but you know this experience of doing this thing compared to what you often see people do right they work in the office nine to five Maybe they go to the gym on their way home. They do the treadmill at the gym, maybe. And then they go home and they watch, you know, Netflix or whatever on the couch, right? And they never really live. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard, hard to have that feeling of all, of all parts of your body responding <clears throat> to being in your natural element. Yeah, there is. And that's why I have a hard time going to the gym even in the winter because it's devoid of all of those those cues and that those sensory feelings where things just turn on i would rather be cold and warm myself up outside most of the time unless i just really need to get in the gym but it has a such a different well your genes just turn on you're feeling your genes turn on from all the environmental stimulation it's literally activating parts of you yeah. What did you notice? So you mentioned that you did, you came to the uh, more primal ancestral diet from a reduced injury and an anti-inflammatory um, yeah. side of it, trying to reduce yeah. your, your downtime almost. What yeah. did you, what were you doing prior to that and how did you transition and what did you notice diet wise? Yeah. Like before that I did, I think I did like before, before like nothing regular diets like regular swedish scandinavian yeah what is <laughs> diet, a regular whatever scandinavian that is. diet that's kind of like you know f like a fair amount of meat though I, I i say but you know you also have lots of pasta and potatoes and you know all the carbs and i don't know swedish meatballs and ketchup and mm. potatoes right it's like and potatoes and potatoes and potatoes and potatoes <laughs> yeah. uh, some fish i guess but nothing special you know and then I kind of started to experiment a bit with diets. Not, I, I wasn't, I was never one of those people that, you know, tried like uh, uh, back then, like, oh, I'm going vegetarian and then vegan and yeah. this and that, you know, those things like, nah, but I did, I did try what I thought was paleo for a few months, but I never increased the fat intake. So I didn't get that part. So I just ate lots of meat and salad. So I did, uh, you know, I cut out all of the carbs. I mean, so I was kind of always fatigued. Yeah. I didn't have the energy. So I got, I think I got like, for that period, I was like sick all the time. And I thought, you know, paleo, it doesn't really work. Um, but then I started to open my eyes a bit and listen to other things as well. And I heard the Primal Blueprint, the podcast. Yeah. And for that made sense. So I started to listen to that and started to adapt. So one of the reasons were, of course, I wanted to try, if I have this diet, can I increase my endurance and avoid injuries? But I also remember how my dad back then, 
was quite ill for like you know 10 15 years having all of these weird inflammatory issues right like he had like asthma uh a fraud with like rheumatoid arthrosis What's rheumatoid arthritis yeah yeah that is that's yeah. the word i'm looking for and also like tinnitus and you know a bunch of other weird things and he ate like like really yeah like his diet wasn't really good at all um you know so i was like i had that aspect as well so i was thinking okay so what if i change my diet and i try to eat in anti-inflammatory and these things right so yeah that's how i got into the dietary approach yeah yeah so you went from being eating traditional scandinavian lots of Lots of cold weather stuff like potatoes. Yeah. I mean, I do that too. So pasta, potatoes, yeah. some meat and fish. And then <laughs> didn't yeah. have a subsequent amount of fat. So went through uh, a lethargy phase of like just protein yeah. and, and greens, it sounds like. What where did your energy come back? What what did you end up transitioning to? So after a while, I, I think maybe this was back in yeah, 2017, 18. I started to understand the importance of the fat intake yeah, right? with the butter and, and, you know, coconut oil, olive oil, all of these things, right. Mm -hmm. And trying to remove the vegetable oils and the ultra processed, the processed, ultra processed foods. And then I started to feel better. So I think maybe the biggest change, although I, you know, many people ask me, so how was, what's the biggest like health change you experienced? It's it's not I, I never had any big health issues, right? So I, I tell I, I tell them okay, so I, I never have a cold. Right? You know. So it might seem like that's a really tiny thing. But you know, on the other hand, you know, if you're an endurance athlete and you're into your endurance sports, you don't really want to have a cold either, because that will take away maybe two or three weeks out of your season, right? So it is a big thing. Um and back before I had, you know, two or three times a year, maybe more like colds, right? So I think for me, that was like the biggest health change, I suppose. So kind of the same, but a bit better, right? And then I also regard this health approach, this dietary intake long-term as well, mm. you know? So so when I do my, my Ironmans and crossing countries on a bike, mm. I want to be able to do the same when I'm 90 plus. And uh, so that is long term. And I, I don't know, I think many people think too short term. They think, okay, I need to have my health now or I can eat whatever I want now because now I feel fine. Yeah, sure. But what about like in 10, 20, 30, 40 years? Yeah. yeah. What did you, okay, so fat intake went up. And that is a huge part. I think I had this happen too, where it's easy to cut things out, but it's not pushed enough that if you're going to reduce the amount of specifically inflammatory carbohydrates, which often sure. come with ultra processed food, you still need energy. And so yeah. the fat replaces the, the energy yeah, source absolutely. and your body gets wet. And you mentioned adapt in there, which I love because yeah. that's, that's really what it is. I was trying to describe what, what the primal diet does to someone. And I was like, it just helps your body readapt to when you were a kid yeah. to be able to effectively use fat and pull fat. So you don't yeah. have to worry about it so much. Most people's bodies have been deconditioned to consistently run off of easy sugar. 
Yeah. And when you yeah. run out of easy sugar, as you do as an endurance athlete, or you don't even need to be an endurance athlete, just being an athlete in general, you run out of glycogen real fast. So that fat adapted piece is huge. What did you, what did you notice, um, whenever you started increasing your fat level since you were so active and probably would actually have some good, good metrics for that? What did you start to notice yeah. in your training? In my training specifically, what I noticed is that I could go on for hours on end. You know, I could just be out the whole day. Uh, I, I know how, you know, I, I did uh, my first ultra ultra was like kind of when I started to change my diet, I suppose, 2016, 15 or something. Uh, but I was running 90 kilometers. Um, and I remember how when I started to push my boundaries of what I thought was possible, I remember clearly how I did not necessarily eat as much or rather when I saw other people, what they were consuming, you know, these kind of energy gels, mm. yeah. energy bars, the goose, the goose. And I remember how I did as well. Vasalop, it's a, it's a big thing here. I said ultra Vasa, that's like running 90k, but winter time you have the same thing when you ski 90 kilometers. And I remember how I did this, but this was a bit prior to me changing my diet. But I remember how I went there. And in the morning, like 4 a.m., 5 a.m., people were like bulging these porridge, these, this, this breakfast, right? And just, you know, pushing it down. It's like, this, this can't be, this can't be the case. This can't be normal, you know, because I'm not even hungry and people are eating so much. Like, how, how can I, I don't eat breakfast. How can I eat like 4 or 5 a.m. in the morning? I, do I need this? So somewhere along there, along there with the skiing and the running, I didn't do these big breakfast and I started to notice that I could anyway kind of maintain my pace, my energy throughout those days. Right. And then I did, I did uh, an Ironman that was, was last year. I did an Ironman kind of the same thing. You know, I, I could see on the, on the bikes, people had the energy gels and all of those things, right? <laughs> eating anything. And I don't care. I carry almost nothing, you know, uh, so that's quite quite an interesting experience. So to answer the question, yeah, I feel like I have more energy throughout these events. You know, I, I don't really like before the day, I don't do the the pasta dinners, the pasta breakfast and these don't things. You know, I don't I don't care. I eat just like I, I, what I usually do, maybe a piece of meat and some avocado and a good salad. And, and, you know, that's it. It's just another day in the office. I just happen to be outside on a bike doing my thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that I love that. So it's the your life doesn't have to dramatically shift because of your love for adventure and your athletic endeavors. Because you're fat adapted, it kind of just fits in there. You don't have to put enough energy into you don't have to put extra energy into your nutrition. Yeah, I would say you know as, as I regard uh adventurism or maybe fitness is like i want to be able to do an ironman tomorrow yeah right so i want to have like a, a good amount of fitness every day year round all the time like always prepared okay tomorrow there's an ironman i can do an ironman tomorrow rather than you know having like okay energy levels being a bit tired doing like living kind of uh, i don't know like a mundane nine to five existence somehow and then i have an ironman in a year 
Mm. in one year and then i start to plan for it and i start to eat differently and i need to prepare so many things for this race no 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 like in my in my world it's like always have good energy always have good health always be prepared for an iron man that's my that's my fear that's how that's my vision that's how i want to live right and in order to maintain that i think it's important to have you know, good food, good diet, good good fat intake to have that mm. energy, right? Like now, I'm and I'm saying it's not like my energy levels are not always perfect. Obviously, right? We all, you know, we, we live our everyday lives and so on. Yeah. But that's that's what I want to ma- have, maintain. That's my aim. Yeah, I I love that. It's such a it's a great way to live when you know that you can just do something at any real time. I always wear shoes that I can run in unless I'm like going out dancing and doing because I like to be able to just run. Yeah. And that's a weird thing for a lot of people, but there are plenty of times when sometimes I just want to run. Like I'll just get an itch yeah, in jeans or whatever. And I'll just yeah. want to run for a mile. If I'm just walking someplace, I'm just like, oh, I could just run instead of walk. Like, I don't yeah. know where that comes from. It's just a, an urge, maybe still hanging around from primary school but this is the same feeling is i i don't want to have periods of lethargy yeah. you know even around the holidays like i enjoy good food but i really like always feeling capable exactly, of doing exactly. whatever i want to like today uh before this podcast i was running I was passing this local store right and they have like that's candles. Like, do, do you say like, um, um, I think that's a Swedish word, like a mashal. Like a mashal, that's kind of a big candle and you, you put a, a fire on it and you you have it on the street or outside somewhere, oh, cool. right? Yeah. Uh, so I bought a few of those and something to, you know, put them, light them up as well with and like a bag I can carry and stuff. So my, my idea is to have everything prepared in the bag, in my car, so I can always do cold plunges whenever I am, right? Always prepared. <laughs> that's the motto. So, you know, rather than oh, that's that's a nice lake. Maybe I should go for some. I could anyway, of course, like my in my underwear or something. But I want to be prepared. It's kind of nice to have like a a, a, a robe yeah. or something, right? So you kind of prepare and some fire and maybe some music and stuff. Right? How do, okay? So this is a good good intro to this because cold plungers are so popular in the biohacking or the like yeah the trendy fitness world which is a great thing because it is a fantastic way to get more in touch with your nervous system shock yourself a little bit get a lot of those anti-inflammatory compounds going what's your how do you do yours like what's your how do you do you need to psych yourself up how do you breathe what's your technique for keeping it interesting and and keeping it manageable for yourself that's a good that's a good question, actually. You know, there, there, are, there are a few different answers to that. And and today, I, I did the cold plunge today, but I, I, I don't know I, I didn't prepare well, so it was more like this is this is pretty cold, yeah. and I tried to put this thing on fire, but the wind was so strong and like nothing went according to my my plans, and I forgot my music and stuff, and I went in anyway, so I got the benefit. It felt good. But, you know, it wasn't well prepared. Usually what I do, like either one or two things. One is, like I mentioned before, do this run around the lake or whatever, like run somewhere, right? a few kilometers, and then go into the, the water. I find that to be very easy. I can just you know, jump into the water. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's beautiful. 
so then I suppose the preparation is the running itself. But sometimes I don't do the running. I just go to the lake, right? So usually what I do, what I really like to do is to bring something like a torch with fire so I can mm-hmm. get that uh, atmosphere. I kind, of, mm-hmm. I kind of enjoy that, right? And I bring a speaker. I have quite a big one, a big speaker. And I put on some music. Usually it's kind of this Nordic Viking Scandinavian music, yeah. you know, kind of dark beats and stuff, right? So for those of like if you seen the show Vikings. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, imagine like you you go to this lake up in Scandinavia, you have the forest. Uh it's kind of you have the rain clouds, it's a bit gray. You, you know, you get you get it, right? And then the music with the Nordic feel to it. With some fire, and then I usually go into breathing. Not too much, not too much, but you know, deep breaths, focusing on the breath, the now, the present moment. And then I go in. I usually don't jump into the water. I kind of walk down these these stairs, like mm-hmm. into the water. And then I stay there. Sometimes I go for a swim a bit. Uh, usually at the end of it, I go all beneath the water as well, and then up. And then afterwards. It could be differently. Like lately, I've been doing like the the horse dance, like a Wim Hof sort of horse yep. stance, right? Not much, you know, for a few minutes, and then usually I feel quite warm afterwards. Even though I'm I'm only wearing my shorts, right? It's still the same. The temperature is still the same, and then I just hang around there for a bit, ten minutes, fifteen minutes, in the water. No, I'll, 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 oh, okay, I'll just acclimating. Yeah. How long would you say that you're in the water for? couple minutes yeah you know it can be anything like yeah sometimes like super short like 30 seconds right sometimes i feel like i just want to go in dip myself and go up so okay i think i think to myself that's okay 30 seconds that's you know that's great like there's no pressure anything sometimes i stay for a minute two minutes uh five i've done five minutes as well like the other weekend i did this wim hof workshop at one of the islands outside here on the west coast and there were 15 of us. <laughs> so we were standing outside and we had he had this like bath, right? With 60 kilos of ice in it. And we were standing in a half circle. And the first person to the left in this half circle went into the ice bath, staying for like one or two minutes. Then the rest of us, we were doing like the horse dance, the movement. And then he got up and then the second person got in. So I'll, all in all, we stayed for about 30 minutes mm. doing the horse dance, like in this like three or four degrees Celsius and strong winds. <laughs> I couldn't feel my fingers or my toes. But it's kind of a beautiful moment, though. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So that's how I prepare, I suppose. That's an experience. <laughs> yeah. What's your breathing like for that? Because I've been doing a number of different breathwork modalities. Not just to do breath work, but because I'm in a, a men's group locally and yeah. we just do breath work, uh, more so to become better in tune with our emotional selves, but yeah. breath work for keeping core body temperature and getting through cold is quite different, I imagine. So what do you like yeah. to do for breathing specifically? Yeah. You know, when I, when I do these cold plunges, there's nothing, uh, 
I don't think I like I do the Wim Hof uh, method sometimes, but not necessarily connected with the cold plunges. When I do the cold plunges, basically I just focus on my breathing. You know, when I breathe out, I can do like a humming sound, um, like a humming sound, breathing out slowly in through the nose, out through the mouth, and then when I go into the water, sure it is cold, but when I do this in a good way it becomes more of an objective sensation. Right? Mm. So I can, I feel the cold, it is cold, but it's just a sensation. It doesn't affect me. It doesn't like, I don't feel cold. I don't feel I'm freezing. It's just, you know, something I can observe. Yeah. And when I manage to do that, it's, it's easier. So that's basically the technique I have. And for me, that works because it's not, necessarily it's not too advanced or anything it's it's very simple right so i uh, i done the wim hof not connected with going into the water but for instance at this workshop you do the 30 breaths like in and out and then you hold your breath and then you do this for a few cycles right you can do that one before going into the cold bath and that's a, quite a sensation as well which i'm i'm sure you you you, you might have tried yeah. as well alex right so yeah. you start to feel this like this tingling sensation in your body and i remember like at the end of it how the first time i did this i was like heard i uh, thought i was hearing this swarm of bees thousands and thousands of bees and i did this the first time i think it was summertime in my garden and i was kind of opening my eyes thinking where are all of these bees no eric it's just in your head <laughs> It's wow. quite a sensation, right? Yeah, so that's my that's pretty powerful. Yeah, it, it is powerful. It's very powerful. I regularly get tetany whenever, whenever I do intense breathing with the yeah. with this uh, men's group on purpose because it's yeah. kind of uh, if you can stay with it, a it proves to you that you can uh, hold yourself through a challenge. If you weren't in a group when you did this type of breathing, you you wouldn't do it. You would just give yeah. up. Like it's physically yeah. intense, but the sensations that come from just breathing quicker and quicker uh, get pretty intense. Like I'm in locked arms with people with the guys okay. next to me, and tetany happens, which is like oh yeah. cramping. Your yeah. hands just your yeah. nervous system gets yeah. fried, but the like surge of lightning that you feel going through your body if you breathe yeah. through that is ridiculous so just from and then my uh, my partner does breath work and from the same type of well completely different type of breathing that's more of a, like a slow belly breath yeah but it's still like i will go back to my childhood and have like flashes of things she does curated playlists of music too so it's meant to evoke certain things but it's, again just from breathing yeah. consistently rhythmically in a pattern uh the connection to the nervous system with breath is incredible i haven't found anything as easily accessible yeah it's like a I free mean, trip yeah it's like, <laughs> like, like with this group there were 15 of us you know and i never yeah. do i never done breath work actually i did it with my brother and nephew the three of us but you're doing it with like 15 or 
14 other people, 15 in total. That was quite different. Uh, lots of energy in the room, everyone oh, yeah. breathing you know, with the you know the same rhythm, right? So yeah, absolutely, I get it. I, I that sounds interesting though. I would maybe yeah. I, someday I can join <laughs> and try that out. You know, and oh, for sure. I, I never had any. I, I remember how the instructor also asked us, "Do do you have any sense or the memories coming up and stuff?" I never actually had that. I don't think so anyway. For me, it's more like being in the, in the total present moment. Mm -hmm. Somehow, right? Somehow yeah. it's difficult to explain. It's like every thought, every idea, all of these, everything is just empty. It's like super empty. And I can just hear, I can, I can hear the music, I can hear what's going on, but there are no thoughts or anything in, like connected to what is yeah. going on. And, and I find that to be very, very liberating. The present moment is the most liberating thing I can think of. Yeah. <laughs> just being with yourself. Beautiful. Mm. So I want to touch on, um, actually I have one question and then we'll jump into some omegas, some, some nerdy science. Yeah. No one ever talks about hydration. I happen to have a water business. So I'm always interested in very few people ever talk about hydration, especially in the performance world where you th would think, or I would think that it would pop up more in conversation. What do you do to hydrate yourself? Well, you well, uh, you mean uh, during events, like in general? Yeah, just in general. Like, what um, do you pay attention to the water that you drink, or or just how do you feel like electrolyte balanced and or just well hydrated? I I, I do. I like most aspects. I bet you could do it better. Mm -hmm. But I do anyway, like connected to my tap, I have a, a filter. So I get like mm -hmm. filtered, like good water, right? Um, like it's, it's Swedes, Scandinavians, I guess we, we t often tend to think like, you know, Sweden is the best place in the world right. for, you know, health and wellness. And we have the best tap water in the world and so on and so on. I'm not so sure. Uh, so I have a, a, a filter, which is yeah. good. Um, so I'm using that and electrolytes. I'm not using any specific electrolytes now. Like these days in the morning, sometimes I have like, like the sea salt and I put mm -hmm. that extra bit in the morning in my water. Or maybe I have like a lemon or something. Uh, when I biked in the US, I bought extra electrolytes. I brought extra electrolytes as well. And I tend to, I try to specifically like in the morning and around lunchtime, drink a bit extra mm. water and so on, right? I try to avoid... Well, I never bring, I never, you know, obviously I never do sodas and I think so it's mostly water Yeah. and coffee. Yeah. Some coffee. So, so that's kind of my, yeah, that's my, that's what I do in a way. Have you ever felt or what, have you ever felt the feeling that you would describe as being dehydrated? Like when you, I can imagine when you're doing ultras, like what is that feel yeah. to you? When you do like ultras and you're on the, on the bike for a long time. Yeah. It's you know it's it, it can be that after a while I start to feel thirsty. Yeah, but not like not the thirsty like in I done like a high intensity training session. It's extremely hot right now, and then oh I'm, I'm so thirsty. I need to drink like a liter of water. It's not that sort of thirst. It's more this kind of smoldering bits uh, inclination that I need some. I need to drink something. Uh, low intensity first, I suppose. So that's that yeah. that can happen, and then I realize oh, I haven't drank, been drinking enough. Absolutely, and 
often I go to Spain as well. I'm a part of a biking club in Spain. And then I learned in Spain that usually it's pretty good to start to drink quite early on yeah. when biking. And it's like 30, 40 degrees Celsius. I'm, I don't think I'm very good at it. I think I'm trying tend to forget about it. And yeah. I, I think it often just go on hour after hour after hour without drinking actually enough. Right. Um, and it seems like I can still do my events and everything, but yeah, I think it could be like optimized a bit. That's, that's why I ask usually is because us optimization nerds, um, or just people who are very in tune with, with our bodies, it's always a, I wonder what this would do kind of like the change from liquid sugar gels to yeah. running off a of fat. That was the, I have uh, a filter, like you mentioned. Uh, we have a horrible tap water in the States, yeah. like industrial yeah. contaminants galore. So I have a, a beast of a filter because I have to, and then I ionize it. So I yeah. add electricity, basically charges yes. ions to the water. And that is interesting for recovery and just performance. There's lots of studies on it on basically like your lactate threshold changes. Yeah. Yeah. Your body can just deal with metabolic waste quicker, like yeah. the hydrogen, and it will actually neutralize a lot of the oxidants spit off by metabolism and just from sucking air at high levels. So it, it changes recovery. That's why I ask um, people who are in the performance world, because it's, it, we tend to notice it the most drastically. We're like, oh, interesting. That hit 20 minutes later or something like that, yeah. right? Because we're used to routine that. and just feeling things at consistent intervals. So it's it's a trip and no one ever talks about it. So I always like asking. It's it's like my experience is when I do events or I'm out for many hours, it's kind of whatever I do, like the first few hours usually work, you know, pretty okay. Um maybe i suppose regardless of how i prepared before and in a sense right like the, the main difference i understood notice regarding diet and nutrition and fat intake and these things kind of occur like mid-race or something you yeah. know right or, or at, the, at the, the second half of the race yeah. uh and and i'm always or yeah kind of always surprised you know if i'm out for like five hours ten hours plus and i'm still going strong because that then it starts to get really interesting. Like, how is this even possible? How is it that I can still do this thing, right? And then I can sort of backtrace to sort or deduct. Like, what did I do before? What did I do the day before? Yeah. But it's 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 kind of a, a, a difficult situation as well because it, it kind of means that I need to be out for like five plus hours in order to experience and discover those effects. Right. Which it's not as easy to discover them if I just go out and do like you know a seven k easy <laughs> run around the lake right? right yeah especially if you're so adapted if your body is because you've been doing it for so long if you are just really efficient your body is really efficient at resource yeah. carb and fat utilization right it probably takes you much longer to hit that threshold where your body actually needs to start figuring something out right where someone yeah. Yeah. maybe you'll be the same as everyone else at your level um, until you, until they run out of glycogen and then your body knows exactly how to start liberating and, and running off of fat at lower oxygen levels, yeah. right? You can train yeah. that. Yeah. You can train your, the, um, the aerobic capacity. So your body works with oxygen probably quite differently than mine does. Cause I'm not a, a I'm not an endurance person. Yeah. I really like short bursts of intensity yeah. now because I used to be an endurance person. 
and my joints don't appreciate it so much anymore. So you hand, you will probably handle oxygen way differently than me. Your body is really good, probably very efficient at oxygen utilization and, and staying in fat burning mode. I'm guessing. I, 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 su- I suppose, I suppose, I, I, w- I, I suppose as well then if, if I changed my ang, maybe I would say, you know, okay, I'm doing this race, but I'm going to increase the speed, right. the average speed or something. Then, then obviously I would feel something different. Yeah. I would experience something different if I sort of push it in another direction. Right. Uh, but I'm, because I'm not one of the fastest runners right. or cyclists, you know, out there. I'm, I'm you know, I, I go down to Spain again and I meet these guys. It's mostly guys. Um, and they, you know, the first time I went down, it's like, are, are these cyclists good? Like, I have no idea because like the average age must be like 55, 60 right. plus, you know, and they look, they're all different sizes and shapes. And I bet like no one is having like a primal diet, like paleo, nothing, nothing, yeah. nothing of the sort. And like, okay, that's, this will be interesting. And I, when I go with these guys, they are fast, you know, they're really fast. But they, but they also go quite high intensity, you know, high pulse, high heart rate as well. And they don't go for days and end. They do a 100K ride and, and that's it. And also they've been doing these kind of biking since for the last like 20, 30 mm. years. So I'm not sure. I don't think to have the health approach right. to it, you know, maybe they will burn out pretty soon. And yeah. they have other issues and stuff going on. So it has vastly different approaches and ways to see this. But but yeah. Yeah, we'll see what, yeah. what shape you're in whenever you're 55, right? So that's yeah, the yeah, goal yeah. of doing that, that the is anti-inflammatory the goal, yeah. is I want to be the uh, same or better in exactly. 30 years of doing this. I don't want exactly. to regress or worry about, you know, adrenal fatigue or burnout yeah, or yeah. all of the... Yeah. Um, so since we're on the anti-inflammatory kick... Yeah. So we've talked about omega-3, yeah. omega-6 ratios a lot. Yeah. And that's one of the sort of hallmarks of ancestral or, or primal diet is just anti-inflammatory. Uh, yeah. How do you manage that? Like, do you pay attention to that? Or how did you start paying attention to omegas in general, omega fatty acids? I think back in uh, 2015 or something, I started to hear about this. And this was actually before... Like kind of around the same time, I started to listen to the Primal Health Coach podcast. Yeah, and kind of the same. Like all of these things kind of took off around the same time, right? And then I got in touch with uh, a few people here in Sweden that can actually test your fatty acid levels, right? So okay, so that's interesting. But I kind of connected this again to one. How can I myself avoid injuries? Okay, one. That's one part. But two. And that was me even more important, like for my dad. And this was actually after he passed away. Mm. But I was still curious. Okay, so if this, if you can take a test to figure out if your diet works and your fatty acid levels, I was so super curious. What results would my dad have had? Yeah. If I could have taken a test on him, because it, I, I, I supposed it would have been horrible. No, the ratios, right? I suppose. So when I, so obviously, you know, they, they, they asked me, do you want to take it? Said, yeah, sure. I want to take a test. And this was at the beginning though. I was starting to health coach and stuff. So I wasn't kind of all in from the beginning or anything, but I took the test and I remember how I had a result saying 6.7 to 
one ratio. So that means 6.7 as much omega-6 than omega-3. Yeah. Okay, so what what does that mean? What does it entail? So so I learned that ideal, like in, in an ideal world, you should have like a one-to-one. Yeah. So omega-3, to simplify a bit, uh, it's kind of anti-inflammatory and omega-6, it's more inflammatory, right? Yeah. You need both. They're both essential. You need both. They kind of they, they sync with each other, right? They work with each other. But now with the vegetable oils and, and the food intake we have, we we most of us have more omega six than omega three. Way more. Way more. So I had a six point seven to one. So that that's means low. like six point times. Yeah, that's you're doing, that's, you're doing well. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty. It's pretty okay, you know. If you have a three to one ratio, according to science, as I learned, that's that's also good because it means like your cells work as they should work. Yeah. And it's not like they're working like a super level and things like, yes, they, they work as they should work, like a normal level, right? And somewhere along the this the line here, I, I learned that, okay, so the average ratio in Sweden is 12 to 1. Yeah. 12 times as much omega-6 than omega-3. In the US, back, back I think back then it was like 20, 25 or something. I was going to say, it's probably close to 30 to 1 at this point. We have so much, everything is in veg- oxidized vegetable oil, everything. Grains and vegetable oil is the standard American diet. Essentially, it's just yeah, it is ridiculously high. And I'm, I'm very curious what mine is because I have not tested. Because I am like, ooh, what if it's not where I think it should be for how borderline anxious I am around what I eat? Like if mine is you know ten to one, I will be so pissed. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I I tested so many people, lots of primal coaches yeah what do you find i find that honestly i find that they have the same they tend to have the same results as people out there yeah often not always some of them have like what shit like two to one or something wow like really good and others have like i i remember how i did on a few carnivore like carnivore health Mm. coaches like i did the carnivore and they had like 30 to 1. Oh. So how how do you translate that into the world of omegas and and like and and their reality, right? So you can do lots of different interpretations, like what sort of a meat, where does it come from, and right. so on, right? And and other people have, you know, they think they have really good diets and 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 there are health coaches and so on, but still 12 to 1. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean that the diet is really bad or that they have they have too much vegetable oils and these right. things. It can just mean they don't eat enough fish, wild right. caught fish. That could be that could be the reason, you know? It can be as simple as that because it's it's difficult. Like I, I learned, okay, so if you sh- if you want to have a good ratio, you should eat what is it? Like if you I, I can't remember the name and the, the number, but a few kilos of wild caught fish a week. Yes. Like, who does that? Like, is it maybe two or three kilos wild-caught fish a week or something? But the high amount, right? No right. one is doing that, right? Fish is, it's it's quite, even Sweden, it's more expensive. Yes. It's more difficult to get hold of. You can buy salmon, but it's farmed salmon, so it right. doesn't really work. It's like cheap fish that, <laughs> like, it's processed as well. It's difficult to get hold of. Yeah. Hold off, right? Yeah. Yeah, agreed. And every time I go to the grocery store, I I don't like fish that much because I just didn't grow up on it. But 
the grocery store I go to does have wild caught, wild caught salmon and mm. cod on sale regularly for yeah. about the same price as like a steak, like a ribeye yeah. or a New York strip. So I will, whenever it goes on sale, I'll do that. So I, I usually get it once a week, twice a week is a good week. And that's the only real that and the smaller fish are probably a little more accessible, but they're so fishy. So primal calls it the smash hits, right? So yeah. sardines, anchovies, mackerel, sure. um, all of those things, but they're just, some people just can't do the, I have trouble with the, the taste. Like they're so fishy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just okay. eating them out of a little can. Totally. Like what if but you they don't, don't even have like mercury, fish, you know, or, or, like I can't, I can't go to a restaurant and on the menu it says right. like fish or meat or something, and I, I like nine times out of ten I pick the meat because it just feels more fulfilling. Right. right? Like I can eat fish, but then it's just it's kind of disappears and it's lighter. Yeah, it doesn't lighter, have right? the like uh, the satiating effect for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Well, so when you know when you say you're curious about your result, that that is also a thing that I find many people are, and they want to try this thing. Many people are, but they're afraid to try. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because if they get their results and it's objective tests says, are rough. Yeah. Yeah. It has, especially for a health coach, like uh, someone who doesn't care would be unfazed by it. But if yeah. someone who has just put years of research and trial and error into their own body, like most health coaches, have an objective marker come back that says, diet's not working as well as you thought it was in this specific area at least that's a little rough right it is it, <laughs> it's it like is, maybe it you is. don't know as well as you think yeah, you do yeah or maybe your body just handles it differently than you thought it did which is the more the kinder approach right maybe your body just converts omegas differently but uh yeah so what why do we use that marker why is omega such a um a good marker for inflammation in general essentially it gives you um data on how well your cells work right so for instance like the cell membrane you have like the saturated solid fat and you have the omega-3 which is more flexible right polyunsaturated yeah, yeah polyunsaturated so if you have a good ratio, I think it should be like a four to one on this aspect, right? But often it's not four to one. It could be three to one. I think it's four to one. But often when we, and that is one of the, the, the data, one of the measurements we actually get one of the results, right? But often it's like 16 to one or more, which means you have the saturated vs the pollen saturated fat. It's like 16 times as much, which means the cell membranes are really solid, mm. which means, okay, as a primal coach or, you know, you have a primal diet, whatever diet you have, your cells can't really take up the nutrients from the food. Right. So they can't, and they can't release waste products either. So they work like suboptimally. Right. So imagine you have like a really good diet overall, you know, you have your, your other fat intake, I suppose, and nutrients and vitamins, whatever. But if you can't take up the nutrients into your cell, they, they can't really work as they should work. So it's kind of a waste of time, right? It's a waste of space. Like this is kind of the precursor to anything else. So, you know, 
awesome, fix your diet, awesome, fix your uh, work with your movement and all of these things. But maybe step one is to make sure that your cells actually work, that they actually have a good ratio. And obviously, it's like if you have a good ratio, you have more, your cells work as they should work, as they ideally should work. It's more anti-inflammatory. So if things happen, you know, uh, whatever, like ill airborne disease mm-hmm. or, you know, things occurring all the time, your body's able to handle it. Right. right. And what we see, and we, we, you know, when we work with this, we have certain claims we can say, uh, statements we can use, which is backed by uh, the European, um, I can't remember, I don't have it in front of me, but the authorities at the European Union level. Yeah. Right. And the, what's the name in the US? US FDA. The FDA. Food and Drug Administration. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's backed there as well. So you can actually say these things, right? Which is quite important because otherwise uh, you can come up with whatever claim without having the backing of it, obviously. Right? So when we do these tests, we have six different measurements. So I might actually open a previous test. Yeah, please. I would love some some data. So give me a second. Yeah, the literature on this is fascinating. I just did a post on this. And it's one of those like core things that make usually like felt noticeable changes in people's yeah. energy levels. I, as I remember it, it was like just a better ratio of omega three to omega six, making up the like cell membrane, the uh, phospholipid bilayer of your cells just lets things, there's more fluidity. There's yeah. easier nutrient, nutrient transport. There's better information exchange. There's better neurotransmitter access on your, um, your central nervous system, because that's also a fatty acid membrane. So there's literally just better intracellular communication in yeah. general when you have better ratios, which affects everything, like you said. Yeah. yeah. And there's good literature on, if you just type in like omega-3 on PubMed, which is the the US National Library of Medicine, uh, you'll get tons of data. And it literally makes people smarter. Sean Stevenson yeah. has had a book called, I think it was, um, eat smarter and it was the studies on people's gray matter in their brain and yeah. omega-3 intake was like almost causal yeah. it was like yeah. really hard to disprove that it directly yeah. affected iq exactly so okay so here i have an example right so this is actually from a, a primal health coach <laughs> nice <laughs> that's interesting right all right so the the ratio was 11 to 1 to 1. Okay. Okay. So and that's what to what to what? 11.1 omega 6 to 1 omega 3. And okay. usually when we talk about this, we often talk about, okay, so what's the ratio? But there are other measurements as well. This is most, maybe this is the mostly the, the, the easiest one to understand. Right? But then we also had the, the protection value. Uh, so the protection value should be uh, 90% meaning like you 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 need way more omega 3 in order to be protected against say uh, inflammation and these things right so if something happens if you have your city and your city wall at least you have a city wall so you have something to protect yourself with if something would happen right. most people uh, actually this this uh, coach had 0% 
Wow. Like nothing. Uh, so you have your, this analogy, right? You have your city, but you have no city walls. So if something actually happens, it doesn't need have to happen now, but you know, you have things going on, like the common cold, you have other things going on, right? So it's more likely that this person will actually get ill. Wow. Right? So that's one of the things. You have the omega-3 index. I think that should be like 8%. That's the omega-3, total amount of omega-3 in the blood volume. Right? Mm. It should be like 8%-ish. This coach had 3.9%. Wow. And I remember clearly, like if you have below like 4%, you have a high risk of like uh, heart and cardiovascular yeah. issues and below 2%. And I've seen several below two, they have an increased risk of sudden, sudden uh, heart failure. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of hardcore data, right? So obviously, yeah. as you said before, like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if I want to see my data. <laughs> you know, I, I get that. And then you have the mental strength index. So I think I think it's like sixty percent of your brain is just fat. It's just a yeah, big gray pump matter. Of fat, right? it's all fat. Yeah, yeah. And if uh, yeah, like twenty percent ish, that's like omega three. Okay, so if you have a lower level of omega three, might you have cognitive issues, memory mm. issues, and these issues? Yeah, you might actually have that. So there you have a correlation between maybe you know. You tend to forget things and and you have difficulties in thinking, maybe like these mm. kind of kind of vague symptoms of something, mm. and you think maybe I need to talk with <clears throat> talk with someone or it's a psychological thing, maybe, but maybe it's just you know you don't have enough omega threes. You have the cell membrane fluidity as well, which I yep. mentioned. Yeah, cell membranes and arachidonic acid. That's kind of how well you can use omega six through the liver. Right. Well, right. So, so you have six different measurements, and for someone taking a test, you get the data, all of these six measurements, and all of them are correlated with each other, obviously. And you also get like an explanation of what each thing means. Yeah. But you also get the page, like a fatty acid panel, all of it. Yes, uh, which is ideal because most people go to the doctor and I get blood work that comes back from some of my clients, not because I asked for it, just because clients are interested to share their blood work yeah. with their coach and i wish it were more comprehensive like i i'm i'm going to start doing more the one you're describing is an at-home test right and you send it in yeah absolutely you take yeah, yeah. this is the test i know it's a podcast you can see but Zanzino. i'm holding up like yeah. a box right so yeah. this is it. i'll put it in the show notes because yeah, yeah we talked about this last year and um this season is always my testing season so i do all of my blood work usually in the transition from fall to winter because that's my recalibration time that's my okay how did my year work right let's see trends from yeah. from the full year so i i would love to do a i think doctors in general should do all of these like i am amazed that i cannot walk into my general practitioner my family doctor be like hey yeah. can i have a full micronutrient panel and they're like what's that yeah. I'm like like vitamins and minerals and they're like we can test specifically. And I was like, how do you not have a full basic vitamin mineral? Like all of these things would be great to know. It's just like a pulse on your body, right? You don't have yeah. to know how to interpret them. That's someone else's job, or you can look up how to do it. But just the fact that that isn't a, such a basic test is amazing to me. Like, Hey, your vitamin D3 is low or something. D is low. Your, or your boron is deficient or your copper just things that make drastic 
improvements or not in people's yeah. felt experience, we usually only focus on blood sugar, HbA1c, and like cholesterol. That's what most people, as doctors, care yeah. about. That's where the drugs are. Right? That's where the pharmaceuticals are tailored towards statins and all sorts of new drugs for affecting blood sugar. But it'd be great if we had like a fatty acid panel that was cheap. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. You know, it's, yeah. I, I agree. It's kind of the, the medical medical industry, the medical occupation. It's built around, you know, another paradigm. Yeah. Totally, right? And, and uh, you know, you have, and you treat symptoms. You don't treat the core issues. Right. So, so obviously, that's a huge, huge thing. I, 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 we have like a podcast in, in Swedish here as well. I mean, to a few like functional medicine doctors and stuff as well. And mm. uh, so, so that is really good, but it's still it's a small minority of uh, doctors and yeah. medical practitioners in Sweden, Scandinavia, I suppose, that actually offer uh, these tests yeah. at all. So it's still quite small. Uh, and, and this test, you, 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 you or the results, you have the ALA, DPA, DPA, uh, EPA, DPA, yes. DHA, all the uh, omega-6, yeah. omega-9, saturated, all of them. You have the target value, your value, deviation, deviation in percent, right? So that's yeah. the 1A4. Yeah, that sounds comprehensive. And <laughs> that is comprehensive. I will be doing that because it's time yeah. to do that. And I've been putting it off for long enough. Yeah. There's, there's this, like, f for those that, I, I mean, some people I, 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 that take the test are kind of, most people are kind of satisfied with, you know, the, the six values and measurements. And yeah. when I explain a bit, kind of simplified version of it. And and then we have the next group of people they want to have the panel and check out the panel. Yes. And then we have the next group of people that want to dive into the details. And then we have like I, I think it's like 20, 30 page report. Yeah. Like actually what that wow. means. Right. So so it's it's quite comprehensive. What are the so have, most people probably won't get the test and they'll be like, okay, but what would I do if my results came back poorly or were interpreted as poorly? Like, are there simple lifestyle things other than just eating wild caught? cold water fish to increase all of those or to move those ratios towards more healthy values? Like what would people change regardless of what came back to move the needle towards more optimal? Yeah. So then there are two answers to that. Like one is the one you actually <laughs> answered yourself in a sense, like wild caught fish. Yeah. Uh, adjust your diet, uh, purchase it from good sources and you know increase the intake you know that thing right and and you can do that uh we have what i believe is quite a simple solution as well we have something called the balance oil so we'll grab one of those bottles as well so this is the balance oil yeah okay so so often when i share the information about this you know you you tend to think it's an omega-3 oil or, or capsules right but but it's i would i would say it's not um if you want to make a free you can go to the pharmacy you know right and and buy whatever you find in the pharmacy the thing with the balanced oil then it's if you think about it it's like half 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 of it is omega free from wild caught fish we know that is good half of it is polyphenols from olive oil yeah. like really really strong antioxidants when when you consume when you drink the balance oil, you can feel it in your throat it's like has a burning sensation yeah it should tingle right like high quality olive oil base that's high quality burn. olive oil and the key is that it's like a synergistic formula like the both of them together 
makes the balance sword or the omega free rather bioavailable. Yeah. That's the key word, right? Because we can take so many things, but if it's not bioavailable, what's the point? So like most of the products we buy in the pharmacy in the supermarket says omega free, you get the capsules, the vitamin or the the antioxidants in yeah. those capsules are often quite weak. Yeah. And it's it's good to have on the on the shelf and sell them and on the shelf it's good, but like news, news flash, the body is 37 degrees Celsius. It's pretty hot. Right. So when you consume those capsules, they tend to go rancid pretty fast. Yeah. And it takes time for the body to take up the omega into the system, into the cells, right? It's it's not it's not happening in an instant. Okay, so so the the question it begs the question, how do we know this? Obviously for the test. So you can imagine person A, person A has been taking omega-3 capsules for the last five years, mm. every single day, three to four capsules or whatever. They take the test, okay? So we can verify if those capsules, if that product, if it's working. You have data, you have science. Or we have the person that is eating lots of cold water fish, maybe, you know, every other day, every day, like a lot. We can test if that diet is if it's enough. We have the person that person C, I suppose that would be the person that has, you know, they don't haven't done any dietary change at all. We can test if that diet is working. We can test it all, right? So what we can see is that 95%, 95, like 95% of the people that have taken a test, taken a test, do not have a good ratio. Mm. It's worse than three to one. Most of the people, like in the US, they have 19 to 1 or something. In Sweden, it's like 12 to 1. Yeah. And the people are taking an Omega product, usually they tend to have a 7 to 1. Mm. So obviously, something has happened, but it's not 3 to 1. So so they, that's kind of... My question then would be, are you satisfied with having a seven to one and having like eating these capsules and it doesn't apparently work and you're spending lots of money to buy these products, but you don't get the benefits you are looking for? Wouldn't it be better to take something that actually work? Yeah. And you could objectively tell that you're yes. moving in the right direction. Yes, right. please. Yes. Yeah. I think it's just, we don't tend to do that in the u.s like it's actually difficult people myself included don't a first get an objective measurement other than like blood sugar right maybe cholesterol and then even then there's no like hey do this specifically and test again in three months or six months and see what changed with a very specific objective that's the most objective way to be like does this work Right, you will have specific measurements, and there's no, not a lot of wishy-washiness unless someone dramatically changes their lifestyle and does that. In which case, hopefully, that would accelerate the change. But it's really nice to have objective markers and specific things to actually take that you don't have to worry about sourcing. Right, sourcing's hard. Like we just yeah. explained, yeah. wild-caught fatty fish can be very expensive yeah. if you eat a lot yeah, of it. Yeah, I mean. There are a few other products as well within yeah. within that I work with within the same sort of test based nutrition uh, mm. genre. I suppose there's the vitamin D test, and uh, I always say this wrong: the H A B one. 
<laughs> blood sugar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The one, the, the one fatty red blood cells. sugar. The one. I, yeah. I always mix up the the HbA1c. Yeah, that, Hemoglo- that's the Hemoglobin one. Hemoglobin uh, A1c. Yeah. So we have the three uh, tests. Um, you have and one for that as com- well. Yeah, we have that as well. Oh, yeah. cool. Okay. Um, and so this the, is a full like, blood blood panel essentially. You're getting sugar yeah, and fatty lipids. Okay. Sure, for those three anyway, you know, and and we have like products connected to that as well. So. Yeah. Like your vitamin D, okay. So you take a test, and then uh, you take the 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 product, and then after a few months, you can take another test. It's the same kind of core ID, right? Yeah. Test based nutrition, but we usually often talk about the omega, uh, the balance oil, and and the yeah. balance test first, right? Uh, so and there is a page, uh, you know, um, where you can actually see. So the United States so far. Uh, it's we haven't been in the US for so long, a few years only, but we've taken mm. twenty nine thousand nine hundred and sixteen tests. Okay, so almost thirty k. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a bunch anyway. The average result is twenty two point six to one. Wow. Yeah, and then you take the balance oil then for a few months, four months usually. The second test is three point four to one. Three point four. It <laughs> drops it down to three point four from twenty two. Yeah. On average. Yeah. Wow. That's a almost a 20 point swing in four months. Yeah. And in Sweden, we, we, we began in Sweden. So so we done 126,424 tests, right? First test, 10.1 to 1. That's pretty decent. You know, we are we are ahead of the of the US. Yeah. yeah. The second one is 2.7 to 1. Jeez. But you know you can uh, Southern Europe. Let's see. Let's see some. Uh, let's see Germany. Okay, Germany is like one hundred and six thousand three hundred and sixty tests. First test is fifteen point three to one. Second one is two point nine to one. I wonder why the ratio is so hard to move. Whenever you start getting down below, it seems like three. Right. So once it gets down below three to one, the ratio, well, I guess just because how ratios work, but the number doesn't seem to budge. Like it would, if it's that dramatic of a swing, if you go from 22 yeah. in the US down to like 20, that's a huge swing. But then yeah. it would probably get harder and harder and harder to move the ratio down closer to one to one. Right. Just because the yeah. amount of actual fatty acid you have to move. Yeah, what I've seen, my experience as well, that, that is seems like a correct interpretation. Well, like you go down to fee something, right? And then you continue with the oil, and maybe after four to six months or something, you take another test. Maybe you have like two point five to right. one, and then you you do this thing for a few more months, and then maybe have one point five to one. So the first swing, like it gives you the 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 clearest results often, right? right. Um, wow, why that Those is dramatic. Like, you know, yeah, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. I know, like the blood cells, they change every four to six months. Yeah, so that's when you see start to see the the changes first, right? Right. And then you have other cells in the body, but they, they don't change as often. So it takes more time to affect them. Yeah. But the, the the tests are from the blood cells, but the blood cells reflect how everything else. Yeah. Looks right. in the bot. It's the, a good litmus test. Yeah, it's the first major barometer yeah. of of cellular health. Wow. Okay. I can, yeah, I can I'm mention one this. more. <laughs> one more. Yeah, I can mention one more country. Maybe like India. We kind of recently launched in India. It's mm. just last year or something. And this, you, you tend to get surprised sometimes when you think, yeah. okay, let's test this country. 
would they have good results on average or bad? What do you think India would have? Uh, I mean, India has, one. have well, they have high incidences of diabetes just because it's such a carbohydrate-rich diet. So I would say that people would assume, and I would have assumed prior to like five years ago that would have had a good ratio, but I'm going to say poor. Yeah. Do, do, do you dare to give like a number? Oh, oh India? I'll do like, oh, I don't want to offend anyone. I'm going to say 15. Yeah, 15 maybe, maybe 15 you know so so we, to be fair we have you know done so many tests in india so far it's like a really small number 1558 right? okay uh and you would need like maybe 10,000 or yeah. something to start to get like a good you know average numbers and you know and and, and the, the the more tests you've done obviously the more the, the more accurate data you right have. okay but having said that the average ratio in india so far is 36 to 1 wow worse than the 36. us yeah. I'm sure they'll come down with more tests, but that is alarming. It is alarming, isn't it? And the second oh. test, then uh, 3.9 to 1. Okay, so it seems easy, or not easy, but the, the balance formula seems really effective at dropping it below 5 to 1 yeah. very quickly. Yeah. So it's it's easy enough to get a lot of omega-3s into your body and then working the ratio closer and closer to ideal becomes harder and harder. Yeah. But that's such a huge difference. Four months. These tests are just four months apart. Yeah, usually four months. Like that's like ridiculous. how it works, it's like someone signs up, you know, I want to try and, and then like in your first order, you get a test, like the first test, right? And then you shipped another bottle of balance oil. It, it depends on where you live, but okay. uh, sometimes it's like other each second month you get like two bottles or mm. i think in the us you get a bottle each month or something uh so yeah it depends but then usually on month four you get the second test right yeah wow. by mail that's it that's pretty incredible thanks for sharing those numbers i didn't see that i didn't see india coming yeah <laughs> yeah i mean it's touchy just traditional indian diets are and I haven't figured this out because they didn't used to have high instances of blood sugar mismanagement, but it's all carbs. It's a ton of pulses, legumes. I'm not speaking for all. I don't know the diet of, of most Indians, but I do know that they have been struggling or large sections struggle with uh, insulin resistance and diabetes in general. So what, what I understood is... is you know true correct uh and also like high amounts of like vegetable oils and, right you know in, in the cooking and stuff seed um, oils yeah seed oils you use the seed oils i suppose maybe then like you use way more seed oils maybe than in india when you start sure. when you cook now rather than what you did 100 years ago or something right so, i'd be and, curious and, what regions these came from if they're if the tests are regional as in if you tested more um of a traditional like rural population if it would be dramatically different than in the city like in yeah. the u.s the it would yeah. probably be a bit of a swing from people in the city to maybe people who grew up on ranches or something like that i imagine you know like right. like, they, like, they, like for now like all tests are anonymous uh, yeah right but but when you, when you send in your details like what you say is like where do you live right, right. what's what's your age group female male and so on so that's kind of what you base the statistics on Interesting. so we done a kind of recently maybe a few months ago we did like our one millionth test 
Wow. <laughs> so it is the biggest, as That's far as I know, yeah. the biggest database in the world about fat assets. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm going to add myself to that database because now I'm infinitely <laughs> curious. And uh, maybe we'll do another one of these whenever I, I have the test come back because, huh. I wonder what I would be happy with. What are you happy with? Do you mind sharing what yours is? Have you done one recently? I think my most recent one was, I should done. I should do another one. I, sh I should have done, when I came back from the US, I should yeah. have done one on the day when I got back. I didn't. Uh, after having like the US diet for a month, I, yeah, I'm sure that right. affected my, my, my data. Uh, I remember my last, I think, was that one last? My second test was 2.7 to 1. Nice. Uh, I think my third test might have been 3 point something, like up a bit. So, mm -hmm. you know, these things change, obviously. Sure. Depending on what you eat, you can digress a bit. And, you know, what did you eat? Did you actually use the balance all, all the time and so on? I think my fourth test must have been below 3 again. Right. So, so it would be nice to be to like a 1 to 1 ratio right. or at least like two to one ish yeah but at, at the moment i i've been upping my dosage quite a lot since i got back from the us so i should take a test as well i can take it yeah. i can take a test and again and we can do a new podcast i would love to well yeah. when you you've done yours as well let's do that yeah let's do it again in four months in a, in a show yeah the thing that's fascinating to me that i actually hear and got out of that which is really hopeful is that it's not an ingrained lifestyle change, meaning if you have an awful ratio, yeah. it, you don't have to like kill yourself over 10 years to work towards better, right? It's yeah. more easily changed, which is really good to hear. I, I agreed. You know, I, I hear in lots of, you know, people asking me, okay, so. For instance, like your health coaches can ask me, right, okay, so right. do, like, is this like the the silver bullet? Like, if you do this thing, you don't have to do anything else. Um, or how do you see the test and the and the balance soil together with all the other changes you can make? Like, how how can you work with this, right? So, my answer to this is basically, you know, start with the balance soil, but obviously, it's not. It's not the silver bullet. It doesn't have the whole solution with everything. Like you need to do other things as well. Uh, I, I think like if you want to do, you know, fitness and movement, maybe you need to add uh, like collagen or whatever, right? So, so there are so many things to work with. It's not the silver bullet. And to have, you know, uh, a good, healthy, positive lifestyle, I imagine maybe you want to do you know, movement, fitness as well. Maybe you want to change your diet. Maybe you want to eat more primal aligned, which I advocate or more carnivore, whatever, right? So there's so yeah. many things to do, but it's an it's an important piece of it. It's like an important yeah. piece. Maybe it's even a core piece, like an essential piece, but it's not the answer to everything. Right. Right. And, and sometimes this gets misinterpreted because some coaches can ask me and they think this is the solution to everything and they tend to... You know, I, 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 they don't want to work with a test that can show you these clear results because yeah. they interpret it as this is the solution to everything. And if it is, it can't be true. Right. Right. But it's, it's, it's not, but it's a big, it's a big part of the whole picture. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, the health is so multifaceted and yeah. our bodies are so complex, but I think it, 
is such a big piece because it's one of those structural elements of the human body that affects nearly everything. It's yeah, like see, vitamin yeah, D. Absolutely. If you have low vitamin D levels, you're not going to have a good experience. Yeah. As a person, you're going to be chronically lethargic and just not feeling optimal or healthy. And it, it sounds like one of those where if you have like low protein, right, you're just constantly breaking down muscle tissue, yeah, yeah. any of those big structural things to me are the ones I think people feel the feel better more quickly. So I always go for hydration because you're by molecule count, 99% H2O, it's two thirds by weight. I always do protein, quality protein, quality fatty acids, water, because they're the biggest structural things that make up everything in your body. And if you get those right, then you have a little more buffer, wiggle room for everything else. Sure, sure. And and the same can be said about, you know, having good sleep. Yeah, oh yeah. So that's like, it's like one of those core things. So if you meet someone that have bad sleep, they don't have the protein, the, the hydration, or they miss all of those things and their work and they're, they're too stressed in general. And then they think the balance all and the test is the solution to everything. Right. It's, it's a structural thing. It's important. But all of those other things, they, they're kind of important as well that's true yeah. yeah if you're there's lots of ways to make yourself feel poor there's very few ways that will fix everything yeah. if you're sleep deprived you're not going to care about your omega ratio because you're not going to be able to function right so sleep is definitely probably the the highest priority my next guest is actually going to be a um uh, a, a sleep person which i'm really excited for because no one takes sleep as seriously they know when they're underslept but everything, life tends to take priority over recovery and sleep, especially if you, I mean, it's mostly parents, right? It's just, there is no real other way. Sometimes you can't get a solid eight hours. So that's when all of these things become even more important is sometimes you don't have that buffer of regeneration from sleep. So that's when you can control your omega ratios or your protein intake or all of the other things become so much more important. Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. Did we miss any big gaps in your your story or anything else you wanted to share? Because we are running up on on time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I will mention, and uh, I think that might be interesting. I can add it. Like, yeah, if, I don't know if you add links or something afterwards. I will. But... I'll add a ton of links, so I will yeah. gather you from yeah. them after so, this, and uh, they'll be. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna put this the test up there. That's cool. So, so I work mostly or, or like kind of my niche, I suppose. I, I, I tend to want to work with people that are into endurance because yeah. I'm myself, uh, I'm doing those things and specific like ultra cycling. Uh, and as I mentioned as well, I did like this summer, I did, uh, I think 2,600 miles. I'm always confused about the case to the miles, but I, I did like 4,268 K ultra cycling from LA wow. to, to New York. And that's, uh, that's the story in itself. Right. Um, but that's kind of my passion, right? That's yeah. kind of what I what I do. That's that's oh, it's it's like magic. So if we when we talk about you know running and mm -hmm. cold plunges and all of those things in the podcast, uh, this this you know pushing your limits and being out there and day after day and week after week and just pushing yourself on a bike in the middle of nowhere on the yeah. over the American prairie or something, it's. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a magical experience. So I do those things as well. So if you know people listening to the podcast and they're kind of curious about those things and maybe the omegas and, and stuff as well, you know, mm -hmm. feel free to reach out. Oh yeah. And um I was gonna ask what well, A, where can people find you? What are your your handles or um 
social yeah. media website what's all that what do you have you know just google the primal suite oh you're there okay cool. <laughs> that's it you know uh, and and i have on my obviously like instagram and linkedin and facebook and I, I kind of started a new Facebook group now because I I, need, I, I think I need to build, I want to build a tribe about yeah. something simple. What is simple? What is it that I do that people might be interested in? Yeah, sure. Like cold running and cold baths and, and uh, community, right? So, so I'm building a, uh, like a, a community around those things as well. So it's called like, we are cold runners. Mm. Um, so let's see what happens with that. But otherwise it's just, the Primal Suite, and I have my website as well. This is yeah, theprimalsuite.com. Perfect. Simple. I like it. Yeah, yep. simple. Let's keep it simple. The one thing we did miss, just in brief, is what do you, since you do test yourself, and I think people can run into, especially me, just a lot of adrenal fatigue, what do you do? How do you prioritize recovery? How do you help your body recover faster? Just in short. I, I, as you said, like if you have kids and stuff, right? And and people tend to not prioritize, right? Recovery. <laughs> I I I try. I'm aware of recovery, so I try to recover and have good sleep and all of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have my toolbox, the primal toolbox, the primal health coach toolbox, right? At the moment, I'm kind of experimenting a bit with carnivore to see mm. how I can improve and recover faster as well. Uh, but I will also say at this stage, without giving any specific tools, it's been a bit uh, challenging, right? Because I got yeah. back from the US after that trip and I tried to land and set it down back in Sweden as well. And now it's November and it's Northern Europe, so it's like dark all the time. Right? So it's a bit a challenging environment at this stage. So that is why I'm trying to experiment with the carnivore approach to eating as well. Yeah. But with that said, obviously, I do the I have the like I have an ace track. So I don't think you can buy that in the US. But basically it me meshes your fat oxidation, like your ketone yes. levels. Like you yeah. you you breed into like a small, super small thing, which is connected to USB thing, USB mm-hmm. thing. Uh, it's a Swedish company that sells these, right? So you can measure how well you are in ketosis. So I use that one, and I have the Aura Ring, yeah, that many people have yeah. that are heart rate variability, right? Yeah. yeah. So I try to measure like the REM and the deep sleep and keep track of all these things, and together with you know sleep quite early, and having enough of sleep as well. So sleep is kind of key. So yeah, a, a, f- a few different tools. Yes. Yeah, I love toolkits. That's that's what I love doing is not so much like like you said, the the tool of nutrition. I think most people get into coaching and they're just like plowing on nutrition, almost telling people what to eat, which no one wants to be told what to eat, nor do we know what someone else's body uh, needs at the time. But the toolkit, right? It's here's how you test for yourself. Here's where you are. You're currently burning a ton of carbs. Do you want to be burning more fat? Do you want to be more adapted? How do you tell? So I love giving people more tools and building that toolkit for telling themselves and learning their own body a little better. The metabolic toolkit. Yeah, I agreed. Uh, and, you know, the dietary approach and all of these things as well. I, I agreed as well. Like like yeah. before, back in the days, I was more into the details and giving, yeah. you know, all of these data and stuff. I'm, I'm not doing that anymore, really kind of rotted the overview with the carbs yeah. and the fats and 
and and the protein and such right and then keep it quite simple and then we can talk about other things as well like uh, rather like you know the movement right. and the heart rate and the methadone method and sleep and stress management and all of these things and then and then i tend to want to talk more about goal setting and yeah. more kind of mindset things you know mm -hmm. so okay so you want to do a half marathon why what's the point why why would you even care you know or, or do you want to do an ironman why do you want to do an ironman so I, I kind of want to dig deeper and find that kind of spark why people want to do whatever they want to do and if if i'm successful and i find it then everything else it's it's easy to handle yes. like the diet and all of these things and and that sort of includes myself as well so you know next year what do i have for like physical challenges and if i know what i have in front of me it's easy to kind of deduct and backtrack a bit mm -hmm. to like today you know okay maybe i should sleep earlier uh i should not have you know all that sugar or carbs or yeah. whatever and i need to change this and that yeah yeah give yourself a reason to have the lifestyle give yourself a reason. absolutely yeah. Yeah. Oh, powerfully said. Okay. Um, <laughs> thank you for that. That was pure gold right after I asked for uh, where can people find you? So I will make sure that people get to this part because that was, that was perfect. I love that sum summation and let's chat again uh, after the test and we'll go into maybe a little more depth of everything you just listed. Yeah. Um, so all of those little toolkits that, that we can imbue on people. Absolutely. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you for inviting me. Pleasure. Yeah, it was my pleasure. That was a fantastic episode. I really enjoyed talking to Eric. I'm going to take one of those tests, the balanced oil test, the omega-3 ratio, fatty acid, and full lipid panel test because I was going to anyway, and I've been delaying it. If you would like to also find out about your internal structure, your cell membranes, and general marker of inflammation, I will have the Zenzino product links below. You can also book a... Uh, consult with me or Eric to just go over the numbers. Like you mentioned, they give you the full interpretation uh, if you want, and then can kind of go over the, what does this mean, so to speak. If you would, please subscribe and like this. If you want to know the follow-up to this, uh, pay attention to both of our Instagrams. I'll put the handle. I am at cultivated.change and Eric is at the primal Swede on Instagram. We'll post the results in the follow-up of our tests i'm sure mine won't be quite as good as i think it is but learned a ton from this and we'll catch you next time everyone <laughs>